Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here with you this morning. Um, have any of you flown in an airplane uh, at night over cities and um, where you can see all the twinkling lights of the houses down below, houses and businesses and um, little ribbons of cars snaking through it all? And have you ever, or, or maybe you've been on top of a really high building, like the Empire State Building, or on top of a mountain and looked down and seen all the um, houses, and have you ever been just kind of overwhelmed by the number of people that are down there, and um, knowing that each, each one of them uh, has a life with experiences and relationships and um, hopes and fears and dreams, and to them it's just as important as it is, you know, as my own life is to myself. Um, and each one is either following Jesus or not, uh, following their own way. Um, I've had some of these thoughts before when I've been in situations like that, and um, we're told in the Bible that Jesus found himself in a situation like that more than once. Um, we'll look at one a little bit this morning, and of course he wasn't in an airplane, but he was looking at the multitudes, and if you flip to Matthew 9, verse 35, uh, we can read what Jesus thought when he saw the multitudes, what was running through his mind. Um, Jesus had been going around teaching, uh, preaching in the synagogues in different villages and cities, healing people. Um, in verse 35, but then in, in verse 36 of Matthew 9, it says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Um, the last time I shared a message uh, maybe some of you are here, maybe not all of you, but I talked about our privileged position um, as people who have grown up with biblical teaching and ready access to the Bible and good examples around us. Um, and remind, try to remind us that because much has been given, much is required. In this message, I want to focus more on our common condition, uh, not so much what sets us apart, but what what we have in common with all other human beings. And my hope is that um, this will help us really see people around us, uh, see people with compassion the way Jesus uh, sees people, and then ultimately that um, we'll act out of this compassion um, in a way that points people towards Jesus and, and helps build his kingdom, build God's kingdom. Now, there have been times where I've been on the mountain or in an airplane and, and seen, um, just been overwhelmed by all the people and all the needs and felt a certain amount of compassion. Um, but there's been other times where I've had different feelings, like, um, you know, when I scowl at the tailgate of the, the truck that pulls out in front of me, you know, down here on Long Island Road, or, or when I get turned away at the uh, customer service desk at Walmart or maybe when I hear the latest atrocities of some foreign leader in his country. Um, 
Compassion isn't exactly on my mind. Uh, it's not my emotion, my feeling, my response. And this is kind of normal. Uh, we often respond to people based on their actions. Um, Proverbs says that even a child is known by his actions. And when somebody does a lot of nice things, then we say they're a kind person. And when somebody does bad things, then we refer to them as a, maybe a mean person. Um, we respond to people, we kind of look at people based on the way they act. Um, is that the way that Jesus uh, sees people? Is that the way he views people? Um, often, we don't see people with great compassion or great annoyance uh, either, either way. Um, in fact, we might barely see them at all. Um, they're just simply another person in the checkout line at the store or another person pumping gas next to us. Uh, we don't really give them much thought. We're busy running around doing our errands, and, um, and we barely even notice. Is that how Jesus sees people? We tend to be really good at um, categorizing people, putting people in little boxes and, and um, dividing people, making assumptions based on appearance. Um, we might we categorize people by race and by, by religion, um, by denomination, um, by churches within denominations, um, by the way they look. Are they um, well-dressed? Do they look wealthy, poor, um, intelligent? Um, we, we have all these ways of, of grouping people and thinking about people, and, and we often have uh, assumptions about people based on which little category we, they fit in. Is this how Jesus looks at people uh, in all these little categories? Um, this morning, I want to I want to step back and take a, a big picture look at how Jesus relates or how Jesus sees people, humanity, um, and then and then look more specifically at how he related to people during his time here on Earth, and then finally how we can maybe. Um, learn some practical applications from, from all of this. You can turn to Ephesians chapter 2 uh, for a look at, at Jesus' um, Jesus' view or Jesus relating to humanity. And I divided this passage, um, Ephesians 2, 1 through not, uh, 10, into three sections um, the first one is, I'm, I'm calling our common condition, and I'll read, I'll read the first, uh, uh, I'll read the first three verses here, and, and just notice um, what, what kind of life this is describing, what is motivating decisions, and, and what, what is the condition, what's the common condition here? Ephesians 2, verse 1, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. This is describing um, 
our condition before Christ. Um, we were dead. Um, we were following the path of the world, just going right along with, with um, the way the world is living and, and behaving. And in reality, we were following the devil, um, who, who is working even now in those who are disobedient. And our motivation, our, what was guiding our decisions, um, was our own desires, our own lusts, the lust of our flesh and the desires of our mind and our flesh. If we felt like doing something, we did it. If we wanted to do something, we did it. Um, and the result of this kind of life is, is that we were um, deserving death. We were by nature children of wrath, just as others. And throughout these verses, um, Paul uses different words here to, or, or like he says, um, you, you were all, we were all once, we all once conducted ourselves this way. Uh, we were children of wrath, just as others, um, making it clear that we were all in the same boat. Um, we were all, we all had this common condition. Um, we all had these same desperate needs. And I also want to recognize um, here that sometimes life may not seem uh, like it follows this neat little pattern described here. Um, I don't know if you can identify with this, but perhaps uh, maybe we were a well-trained uh, person. We grew up in a Christian home. Maybe we had a lot of good behavior and self-denial at a young age, perhaps. Um, and perhaps since making a conscious decision to follow Christ, we've had um, a lot of struggle with, you know, the, the course of the world and um, these sinful desires. So uh, how do we make sense of that? Um, well, I'm not here to try to explain all that, but I, I think... One thing, that's, one thing that's clear, the, the bottom line is whether, whether we feel fairly good about ourselves or whether we feel hopelessly caught in sin, um, the bottom line is we need Jesus and we need his forgiveness and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, um, and that's, that's the bottom line. Uh, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, so... We, we all have this common condition. Uh, what, what do we have in common with our neighbors and those, those around us that we meet in everyday activities? Well, we have this, this common sin problem. We were born sinners. By nature, we were children of wrath, like it says. We had no hope apart from salvation through Jesus. We have no hope apart from Jesus. But beyond that, um, we share the same human body. Uh, we are created in Christ and in God's image. Um, when Paul was talking to the philosophers on Mars Hill, he explained how um, God has made all nations from one blood. Um, we have the same physical needs. We, we need food, clothing, shelter. We need money to pay our bills and our taxes. Uh, we need rain for our fields and our lawns and our gardens. Um, we really have a lot in common with those around us. 
Moving on to verse 4 in Ephesians, um, the, the next section uh, is, is his compassion or, or the love and kindness of, of God. For God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So the motivation here at the beginning, the motivation um, for God's action, stepping in here and, and redeeming this terrible situation we, were, we found ourselves in, is, is his love for us. Um, but God, who is rich in mercy, is his nature, and because of his great love, which with he loves us, this is why he stepped in and did this. And um, even while we were dead in sins, he took the initiative, he took the first step to reach out while we were yet dead in sins. Um, and his purpose, he loves us, and his purpose is to save us, but it goes beyond even uh, what we've experienced now, I think, uh, because he, he wants to raise us up in heavenly places, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. And I don't know exactly what that's talking about, but it's something in the ages to come. Um, so God has these big plans for us that stretch out into eternity. Um, and he's excited about uh, sharing that with us. That's the feeling I get from these verses. And Paul makes it clear here, and he makes it clear in a lot of other uh, his letters, where he talks about salvation, that it's, it's not because of anything good we've done. Um, it's a free gift that we've been given, and therefore we have nothing to boast about. And then finally, uh, at the very end in verse 10, I see uh, a third little piece here. We have our common condition, um, Jesus' compassion, God's compassion, and then we have a calling as a result of this. Verse 10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Um, this verse is always encouraging because uh, it, it reminds you that God had a plan for us, and he has good things, uh, he has work for us to do. Um, even before, uh, before we chose to follow Jesus, he had a plan for us. And when he says we were created in, in Christ Jesus um, for good works, I don't know if he's talking about, you know, at the point of salvation, like um, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, it talks about how we're a new creation. You know, maybe it's, it's saying that at the point of salvation, we are created for good works. But, you know, also Jesus was present in the original creation, uh, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and through Him all things were created. Um, in one sense, we were created for good works way back at the beginning. Um, and there's other passages that, that talk about how, um, how God had plans for us way back. Um, in Second Timothy 
chapter 1, it talks about how, how God saved us according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before time began. Um, so God has this, this calling for us, um, and when we respond to him, we can um, live in obedience to this calling. We can, we can walk in obedience to our Creator as we were originally designed to do. So, that's the big picture um, of Jesus relating to humanity. Um, that's that's where, we've, where we fit into the big picture along with everybody else in the world. Now, when we look at um, the New Testament and Jesus' life, how did, how did he relate to people? We, we know it was with compassion. We looked at that a little bit. We saw that passage. But how did he relate? Um, we tend to see people for their actions. Um, often we don't see much farther than that. Or we tend to see people in their little groups and categories and make assumptions. But what about Jesus? Um, one thing that Jesus saw when he, when he related to people is he saw potential. Um, he didn't just see where people were at the moment, but he saw the potential that they, that they had. Um, Peter, rash and impulsive. Um, James and John, who were self-seeking, or at least had a self-seeking mother, and I think they, were, they wanted to be greatest as well. Doubting Thomas. Um, these people Jesus saw potential in. He saw that they had potential to be bold preachers and healers and evangelists, and eventually that they would have enough um, courage to be martyrs for his, his kingdom. And, and so he spent time with them and, um, and, and saw that, that, that potential in them. Um, this was not on, on during Jesus' time on earth as a man, but, but later he appeared to Paul, um, who, Paul in his own words says he persecuted the church beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And later in 1 Timothy, um, the first chapter, he said how he was a sinner and Christ came to save sinners of whom he was the worst. Um, but he also says that, that Christ did that so that he might uh, demonstrate his patience, patience and long-suffering. Um, Jesus saw potential in somebody who uh, the church at that time was very afraid of and uh, was very wary of even after they had heard that he had a change of heart. Um, he was the least, the last one that anybody expected um, to join the way. Uh, but God, Jesus saw potential in him and was able to, to change Paul and his course in life. Several months ago, um, if I would have been working in the garden or uh, canoeing down the river and um, would have seen a caterpillar crawling on my leg, I might have flicked it off and um, thought no more of it, or maybe I would have even put it on my fish hook, I don't know, just to try it, see what happens. Um, but since um, getting to know Ashley a little better, um, I, I think about things just a little differently now. Um, Ashley's really into butterflies and moths, 
And, and so we've got a couple jars sitting around the house um, with little cocoons. We're waiting to see what happens, what comes out of these things. And so now when I look at a caterpillar, I'm not seeing fish bait or just an annoying worm that's destroying a tree. Um, my mind goes to, well, I wonder what that would become. Uh, what kind of butterfly is that? Or what kind of moth would that be? Um, and so I've even brought some of these home just to see if maybe we can find out. Um, I think this illustrates how Jesus sees people. Uh, he doesn't just see where they are right now um, and what they're doing right now, but he sees what they can become and their potential um, with God's work in their lives. Uh, and I think that's how we ought to look at people as well. When Jesus came to earth, uh, his focus was the Jews. Um, he started there. That was, that was God's plan. Um, but he made a habit of breaking down barriers and categories and divisions. Um, he, he was not afraid to relate to the despised race uh, of the Samaritans. Um, we see this in the woman at the well, the Samaritan leper, who was the one who came back and thanked him. Um, and a Samaritan was even the hero of his story, the good Samaritan. Um, Jesus was not above helping uh, the oppressors, the Romans. Uh, he healed the centurion's servant. Um, he was not above touching the untouchables. He would, he would um, heal the unclean the lepers and the diseased. He was not above relating and feasting and calling uh, the traitors, the tax collectors, Matthew and Zacchaeus are two examples. Um, he was not afraid of sinners. Uh, he let the sinful woman touch him and anoint his feet. He ate with sinners. Um, in fact, he said that's why he came, uh, to be to save sinners. That was his purpose. He was... Um, he, he broke the barriers between Jews and Gentiles, and um, we see this after Jesus' life, you know, in the story of Cornelius. Um, through the Holy Spirit, he made it clear that there was no distinction between Jews and Gentiles when it came to um, entrance into God's kingdom. We tend to have a lot of categories and ways of looking at people, but Jesus really only had two categories, and he referred to these in different ways, at different times throughout his ministry. Sometimes he called them the sheep and goats, sometimes the wise and foolish, sometimes the wheat and tares, or those who were on the narrow road and those who were on the broad, the broad road. Um, so in Jesus' eyes, there were two kinds of people. There were two categories, two divisions. Um, those who were following God, those who were believers, who were, were going to accept him and those who would reject him. Um, later in Acts, after Cornelius receives the Holy Spirit, um, Peter says, and, and this is a verse that probably all of you who have gone to high school um, and taken Christian White Bible uh, have memorized. You can probably tell me what it is before I even say it. Um, it's a good verse. Acts 10, uh, 35 34 and 35, um, Peter, after experiencing that, he says, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, 
But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. And, and I think that shows the heart of God, the heart of Jesus, in relating to people of all heights. So that's, that's how Jesus related to people. Um, that's kind of um, how, how compassion worked out in Jesus' life. And, and Jesus' compassion, uh, another thing I noticed here is that it led to action. Um, like, we see that in the big picture of salvation. You know, while we were yet sinners, uh, Romans 5 8 says, Christ died for us. Um, he, Jesus took the first step. Um, in, in Matthew 9, um, the, the account of Jesus seeing the multitudes and being filled with compassion, his reaction then was, um, the fields are white for harvest, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Um, he, was, he was thinking of action. Um, and the woman at the well, the tax collectors, there's different places where Jesus, Jesus took the initiative, he had something to offer, and and he stepped out and, and took the first step. And I think that's a lesson for us as well. Um, we have something to offer. Are we brave enough to take the first step, take the initiative? So this leads us into some practical applications. How can we, um, how well are we doing at seeing the people around us, seeing them with compassion, and are we, are we acting on that compassion if we have it? Um, I don't know that we can just decide to feel more compassion, more more compassionate. Um, it's uh, we can we can act with compassion. We can choose to do actions um, that are loving and compassionate. Um, but one thing we can do here is is evaluate, ask ourselves some questions, and evaluate how compassionate am I? Uh, try to assess our level of compassion. Um, how do we respond when, when somebody interrupts our plan or our schedule um, and they, they need help or they, they want to talk and we have things to do and stuff to get done? Do we see it as an inconvenience or as an um, opportunity? Um, are we in the habit of looking for ways that God can use us uh, in those times of interruption, are we thinking, oh, maybe this is an opportunity for me. Um, maybe God has something that he wants to do through me. Maybe I can meet a need. Or are we only thinking of our own schedule that's uh, now been messed up? When somebody does something wrong or foolish, um, what's our first reaction? Do we, is our first thought, um, our first emotion, anger, or um, kind of disgust? How could they be so silly? Um, or do we have pity and compassion on them and on those who maybe they are hurting? Um, you know, we can override our first reactions, but I think that does say something about um, our level of compassion. Um, how often, you know, um, when we have kind of a feelings of compassion well up in us uh, in response to a situation that we see or a need, how often do we act on those um, and follow through on doing something, or do we um, wait until a feeling passes and do nothing? Um, how often 
do we talk negatively or critically about somebody and what they're doing? Um, that might say something about our level of compassion. Can we believe that God is working in people's lives when we see actions or um, behavior that doesn't uh, please us? Uh, can we say with Paul um, in the first chapter of Philippians that he was confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ? Um, you know, we sing this song, He's Still Working on Me, um, to make me what I really ought to be, taking just a week to make the moon and stars, sun and the earth, and Jupiter and Mars. Um, maybe we need a song, or a second verse of that song, uh, He's Still Working on Him. Uh, to help us remember that God is also working with those around us. And we need to view them with compassion, recognize God's working in their lives, and um, show them patience as well. How often do we make assumptions about somebody um, just because of the group they're in or the category we place them in? Um, I think answers to some of these questions leave us feeling a little lacking in compassion uh, what should we do? Um, well, a few, a few things we can do. Um, we can remind ourselves about the true things that the Bible tells us. Um, and that's what I'm, I'm attempting to do this morning. Um, we are by nature children of wrath, just as others. Um, we were all in the same boat. Um, we are. We are. All people are either fellow believers of us or um, needing uh, Jesus, in need of Jesus. And that was... Uh, a good reminder that Stephen Gingrich brought out uh, in his youth rally messages. Um, that's how we should go through life, seeing people. Uh, we can pray that God would give us more compassion for people. Um, love is, God is the source of love, and we're not going to manufacture it on our own. Um, we need God's love flowing through us, and we can ask that he would help us to see the potential in other people and not just what they are doing or um, what category they're in uh, at the moment. And um, we can take some practical steps to step outside of our comfort zone and inter initiate interaction with people around us. Um, maybe once we start talking to people, we'll realize that we have more in common with them than what we had thought. Um, we've probably all met people, met new people, strangers, um, maybe in a new community at some other church, or maybe just uh, in the community around us, um, who genuinely took an interest in our lives and what we were doing. And, um, and we know how that makes us feel. Um, now, I don't think that's something that can be faked. Uh, just, you can't fake genuine interest in, uh, in somebody's uh, life. But our ability to make other people comfortable and open um, around us might say something about our level of compassion. And maybe we just need to simply make ourselves available if God wants to use us in some way. Um, you know, maybe we should walk in a store instead of going to the drive-thru or going to the pick-up pick um, uh, parking space. Or maybe we should just put our phone down in the waiting room um, not, not approaching people with an agenda necessarily, but simply being aware of the people around us, noticing them, and making ourselves available um, to interact with them, and realizing that God could use us if we're available. 
Um, God is working in the people, the people just right around us, the people beside us, and maybe God could use us if we make ourselves available. Some of us struggle to see other people with compassion, but uh, we need to remember that Jesus loves all of us enough to die for us, and God has these exceeding riches of his grace that he wants to show us for ages to come. Um, and, and so that includes you and me and every person that we, we bump into in our daily lives. So, recapping here, wrapping up. Um, seeing the, the multitudes around us with all the needs can feel overwhelming at times. Because we are totally incapable of meeting all the needs around us. We're, we're incapable of meeting the needs right here in our own group. Um, maybe even in our own family, um, and certainly in the multitudes of the world. Um, but are we seeing the are we seeing the individuals right around us? Um, are we seeing them with compassion the way Jesus did and does? When we see people crawling around us, do we see caterpillars or do we see a butterfly? Do we imagine a butterfly? Um, so I hope that as we look at people that we meet in our daily lives, that we can identify with them and have compassion on them, take an interest in their lives, and, and through interacting with them in a Christ-like way, point them towards Jesus and ultimately um, build God's kingdom.